So here on the Talking Health Tech podcast this week, we're hosting a special short series in partnership with the Digital Health CRC, where I'm speaking with the digital health leaders of tomorrow as they express their ideas, solutions and opinions from a basis of evidence. Now, this episode today that we're doing, it's a special one. It's a bonus audio only episode, and it's a longer conversation that I have with Alan Robertson, who's a researcher and scientist. And we talk about his role as the founder of a startup called ClearGuide Genomics, which is a platform to simplify the process of understanding patient DNA for healthcare professionals. I speak to Alan in this conversation about his insights with his collaboration with the Digital Health CRC on a project exploring how genomics fits into the broader digital health landscape. We talk about the struggle of translating genomic-based treatments into actual patient care. And we also talk about the importance of data interoperability in genomics and the challenges faced due to the unique, intricate nature of genomics data. In this conversation as well, Alan shares his excitement about the future of genomics and how it's an integral part of the healthcare innovation and digital health landscape. Now, as I said, this episode forms part of a short series we're doing in partnership with the Digital Health CRC, and they invest in research and development to support the growth of a strong digital health industry, improve patient outcomes and experience, and deliver sustainable digital health solutions. A core focus of the Digital Health CRC is around education and capacity building to support the next generation of emerging digital health leaders and deliver new and innovative learning opportunities for the sector. You can catch more conversations I had with these emerging leaders as part of this mini-series with the Digital Health CRC on this podcast. So make sure you're subscribed on your favourite player or on YouTube to catch those episodes as well. But right now, here's my conversation with Alan Robinson about genomics and everything in between. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com survey. Hey, Alan, how are you going? Well, thanks. How are you? Good. Good. Excellent. Great to have you in the studio. Tell me a little bit more about yourself firstly and the work that you're doing. Excellent. So I am, I guess, notoriously overcommitted. <laughs> I think the big thing I'm doing right now is I'm a tad to a nine-month-old. <laughs> but in addition to that, which is, I think, probably, with no offense right. to the other projects that I do, which is currently my favorite. Yeah. So in addition to that, I run a startup called Clear Sky Genomics, and we're developing a platform to make it easier for clinicians to understand the information in their patient's DNA. But I'm also working with the Digital Health CRC, and I've been very fortunate to um, be involved in a project that looks to better understand how genomics works in the wider digital health ecosystem. Interesting. Well, tell me a bit more about that genomic space. And so you're doing both the work with the Digital Health CRC and also run your own startup as mm -hmm. well, amongst other things. Yeah, I think for me, I'm a scientist, first uh -huh. and foremost. I'm a researcher. And back in 2007, I was very fortunate to get early access to a bit of disruptive technology that's really changed the way that we think about genetics and genomics in the healthcare system. So back before this technology became widely available, 
if you wanted to sequence your genome, it would cost maybe 10 million bucks. <laughs> when these technologies kind of came on the scene, that number started to fall. And that's why we've seen things like the $1,000 genome and the $100 genome now. So I've essentially, back many years ago, very fortunately fell into a project that exposed me to like the potential and the power of genomics very early on. Over the years, working in that space, specifically as a researcher, I saw these amazing things, and I went to these amazing talks, and I heard these amazing ideas and visions being presented. But then when we saw people we, got, people we cared about got sick, when the, we saw their kind of plights and their suffering, and we spoke to them, they weren't being offered treatments based on genomics. So I started to, I guess, try to think, how can we better ensure that what we're doing in the lab actually has the scope to get out there and get into the clinic and improve patient outcomes? Mm. And of course, there's like very much an element of researcher naive optimism. We're far away, we're removed from the everyday complexities of clinical life. We're not at the cold face. We're not having a million different patients and doctors and people like barging in and requesting our time. You know, we're kind of off in our own little labs, mm. not quite looking down microscopes, looking at computer screens and data frames and graphs. And in a way, you know, it kind of, it's like, oh, you know, this should work. Why aren't people doing it? One of the things I guess I've really been focusing on the last few years is figuring out how we can work to try to knock down those barriers and how can we help more clinicians use genomics, but in a way that is clinically effective and safe and secure not being led by naive research optimism, but actually led by real clinical outcomes. Yeah. So there's a number of different ways that we can do that. With ClearSky, we're trying to make it more accessible and more open. So our platform essentially tries to make the information that people get from a genetic pathologist more clearly accessible, both for clinicians, patients, and their primary healthcare team. But with the work with the Digital Health CRC, that's really trying to figure out, okay, that's a great kind of thing for a startup to do, but there are some other problems that a startup isn't the best entity positioned, or the problems that really a startup isn't positioned to solve. Mm. These are kind of overarching healthcare problems. These are problems that maybe policy or government, these are systems-wide problems. And I've been very fortunate to be able to work with the DHCRC to explore those problems. And the way that we've been exploring and working in that ecosystem is looking at how genomic information is reanalyzed. So essentially, there's millions of differences that make each one of us unique. And while it's really simple, it's I said before, the like $100 genome, we can figure out all those differences for you, ideally 100 bucks. The challenge is we might have reached the period of the $100 genome, but we're still in the period of the $50,000 analysis. Figuring out what all that information means mm. is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly challenging. And what we've realized in healthcare is because we're learning so much from all around the world, I guess a kind of a bit of background for your listeners is that in genomics, we've got these amazing resources like ClinVar and Shariant. And essentially what they allow clinicians to do, pathologists and variant curators, is they will work really hard to try to figure out what one of these genetic differences mean. They then upload them to the internet. And that information can use or can be used by other clinicians and other people in similar situations to try to figure out how that genetic difference might affect another patient or how a similar variant might affect someone else entirely differently. And on one way, it really speeds up the process, but it also gives people the opportunity to check their data between or check their findings. Mm. Someone, let's say, might have forgot to carry the one. And so like, they've got these amazing resources that allow people to share this information. So essentially, because we have these resources and you know, we're learning so much and we're figuring out things, 
we realize that if you take someone's DNA and they sequenced it two years ago, they looked at it two years ago and they couldn't find anything that was definitive. They couldn't find something that was like, yeah, this is this difference is we're definitively sure that it's responsible for your condition. Mm. For some patients, if you look at it about two years after, you can actually find that we've learned a little bit in that time. We're actually we've learned a lot. So some patients that were given these kind of uncertain results can actually be given definitive results down the track. So as a bit of a rule of thumb, they go, you typically increase diagnostic yield by about 10% if you reanalyze a patient's existing genomic data two years after the initial test. And I thought that was a really interesting finding, and it's something I've been exploring because it allows us to essentially see how genomic information is being used in the healthcare system without having to kind of deal with the challenges involved with sequencing and the ins and outs of sample collection. And of course, it comes with its own challenges and making sure that we're, we've got consent and the ethics to appropriately use that data. But realistically, it allows us a bit of a microcosm to study how genomics is being used in a real-world healthcare setting. Yeah. Cool. So that was a bit of a windy road to uh, an explanation. Yeah. The point that you came back that you brought up near the start of explaining the involvement with the digital health CRC and some of these broader system-wide almost policy issues, I imagine then dealing in the world of genomics where a lot of data and information is required potentially from different sources and perspectives, some of these system-wide things that we talk around, interoperability and access to data are probably really important and close to your heart? Oh, absolutely. And I think genomics is its a really interesting space because in some ways it's very similar and it just exemplifies the challenges that we're seeing in other areas of healthcare. I guess interoperability is one. So even though that you think a variant is going to be, or a genetic difference or a variant is going to be the same between every healthcare system, We've got a standardized format in genomics to get very technical. And so we've got this file called a VCF file. Uh-huh. And the VCF file is the standard file in genomics. And what we mean by standard, if we mean the first eight columns are standard, you can do whatever you want in the remaining 248 columns. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it means that while we're seeing brilliant scientists and clinicians and pathologists set up these pipelines in Australia and in the different states and in New Zealand and all around the world, there are, let's say, differences between those, which can make people hesitant to trust data produced by different healthcare systems. And while it's not the exact same problem that we've seen interoperability, we can open the data. It's now making sure that we actually trust what the data. So I do think interoperability in genomics is a really important thing. And I think it's something that we definitely have a lot of potential. Given the fact that we're setting up these systems now, while digital health is evolving, and while it's transforming a lot of areas of health, I don't think it's mature yet. And I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm saying that we've got some flexibility to figure out and ensure that our different analyses, our different platforms, the data we collect from all around Australia can not only be transferred between different healthcare systems, but we can also make sure that it's transparent enough and the metadata is open enough so people can be comfortable and be certain that the data produced in one healthcare system is high quality and can be used by another. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness. 
8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. Yeah, I do think it's, yeah, the genomic space is a really interesting space, not just because it gives you that additional perspective on areas in healthcare, but I just think it's very interesting. Sure. Well, and, and, and to build on that, though, many would consider the areas of genomics and personalized medicine, the future of a lot of reshaping how a lot of kind of things are done within healthcare and people put in the same kind of broad buckets around how AI is going to change a lot of things and how we do things. But to that point that you made around, we've got this opportunity to shape some of the bigger high level decisions around data and the same way we're talking around interoperability of data and digital health, let's do something similar in the genomic space. I've got to think that half the challenge is, given it's such a, a complex, niche area, that how do you bridge that divide between the technical and then the policy side to uh, give that kind of answer? I think that's a really good point. And the thing that I think, the really kind of thing that warms my heart and the thing that kind of makes me excited and grateful to be a part of something like the Digital Health CSC, but also organizations like the Australian Institute for Digital Health, I work with pe- and seeing similar people out there in groups like Australian Genomics, A&D Health, all these amazing, incredibly passionate, incredibly clever, incredibly generous people in our local ecosystem, is I found that they're all very generous with their time. They all have a deep commitment to improving patient outcomes, and they're all willing to share that experience and their insights and their kind of thoughts on helping guide these policies and guide the, um, I don't want to say roadmaps, but help ensure that we're moving down the right path. I just mm. want to make sure that, you know, this expertise and this passion and these people put in a position where their expertise can be called on to help shape these policies. And maybe that's partly on us as, I guess, engaged or enthusiastic healthcare people to try to have those conversations with groups like the Australian Digital Health Agency or policymakers or STA Australia. But yeah, I think it's a such enormous potential for us. And in my conversations with people who might be in policy or who might be in the government, I found that they're always incredibly receptive to what we have to say. They know that these things have potential to help a lot of people, and they know that maybe things could be done better. But a lot of the time, I don't think they're exposed to, I guess, what we're trying to do. Maybe Mm -hmm. things get a little bit too high level, or the complexities associated with government or policy or department stuff might push our, say, at times, esoteric (laughs) demands a little bit down the pile. But whether it's us reaching out to them and making sure that we're continuing to get that to be front of mind or to really highlight why this is important... I think is a uh, something we should be aiming to do as people in the healthcare community. And so lastly, thinking about then those engaged and passionate individuals that are part of the ecosystem listening to this conversation, thinking about how they might engage with those that are doing some cool stuff in the genomic space like yourself, what are some ways that you can give some context or another way 
to frame it is how would you see that what excites you about this future of bringing genomics more and more into the kind of fold and these discussions around healthcare innovation and digital health? No, that's, I think, a really interesting question because I think for me, genomics is just another area. It's another type of information available to clinicians. For some patients, that information is going to be incredibly critical. For others, it's just going to be another stream of relevant information that a clinician will have to synthesize to come up with a meaningful decision. So I think, and maybe I'm be a little bit cheeky here, but I do think it's a little bit up to genomics people ourselves to start to build those relationships, but also start to you go, okay, here's some amazing things that we've seen in the literature. Here are some cool things that I think we can do. How might we start to build the tests and the trials to try to get this into clinic? What are the things that we need to do to demonstrate that it's safe and it provides real clinical utility? I don't think genomics exists in a protective bubble. Should any genomics-led interventions really go through the same randomized trials that any other intervention should go through? And I think a really valuable thing that we could do as genomic scientists is try to build those relationships and figure out what those trials and tests might look like. I think that's one thing that we can do at that micro level, but then at that system's wider level, we can have those conversations. We can try to be involved with groups to ensure that genomic data has the potential to be accessed so clinicians can bring this in and look at the patient's phenotype information, look at their genotype information, and synthesize that through the lens of their clinical experience to make a real meaningful impact or intervention for a patient. Mm. So I think in my optimistic and potentially naive <laughs> perspective, I think trying to like build those direct action relationships as well as looking at the broader system race challenges that we need to kind of address. Mm. I guess overarching my philosophy <laughs> on life, universe and everything. No, XO, Alan, I really appreciate you making the time and breaking it all down for us. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.